couple of stories as we get ready to share our time together today. Uh, there was this goaltender named Timmy, um, who was the goalkeeper of his high school team. Um, they lost the big game, and this dude walks up to him after the game as he's sitting on the field soaking. He says, son, uh, I, I saw the game, and it was kind of rough out there, but I think I can help you. Timmy was like, are you a coach? And the guy was like, nah, I'm an eye doctor, because you, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. There's a student, raises his hand and says, teacher, would you ever be, uh, would you ever punish me for something I didn't do? Would you ever punish me for something I didn't do? The teacher said, of course, son, I would never punish you. I would never punish you for something you didn't do. Why would I do that? I would never punish you for something you didn't do. The student was like, great, because I didn't do my homework. Yeah, yeah. We're off to a good start. All right. So everybody, uh, as we're in the second to the last week of our homecoming series, we've been welcoming you home to several different uh, things, several different things that we're so excited about. One of the things we're excited about is to have so many uh, people coming back to in-person worship. Ever since Labor Day weekend, we have had new people coming back every single week as, as, as well as familiar faces just coming back into the building. And we're so excited about that. So excited about that. Yeah. And so everybody, and if you're worshiping online, we appreciate again that you're here. Hopefully, we'll get to see you really soon back in the building as well. So uh, in week one of this series, we welcome you home to public worship, right? We talked about how Jesus shares that gathering together publicly and corporately helps to build the body of Christ and how much strength and encouragement we gain from each other when we get together. And in week two, we talked about welcoming you home uh, to greatness, to greatness. And we talked about greatness is achieved not necessarily the way the world defines greatness, but in Jesus' perspective, greatness is when we make ourselves a servant and we think of others as more important than ourselves. Amen? And then in week three, we welcomed you home to the right team, stressing the importance of everyone being or being connected to a small group and how we believe that that's vitally important, not only to the growth of us as individuals, but it's also vitally important to the growth of our church and our congregation. And then last week, Dave welcomed us home to hope. Somebody say hope. Yeah, he welcomed us home to hope. And hopefully we all heard Dave teach us that when we falter, and when we fail, it's the enemy who wants to drive us away from Jesus with guilt and shame and condemnation. But actually, because of the sacrifice of the Savior on the cross, he invites us, he literally gives us access to bring our faults, to bring our failures, to literally lay our burdens down at the feet of Jesus. Some of us, we've been carrying those burdens for far too long. Right, But it's at the feet of Jesus where we find hope, where we find strength, where he literally justifies us. Somebody say justified. Dave taught us last week that word justified literally means just as if I never sinned. Yeah, so good. And so my hope, everybody, is that you've been practicing those three phrases that Dave encouraged us to practice last week, all week long. He told us to practice this. Let's say it again together. I am. I am. I am fully. Everybody, that is the hope. That is the hope that we find in Jesus. And so everybody, today as we continue our homecoming series, we've got two more messages in this series. Today, I want to welcome you home to the greatest coach. I want to welcome you home to the greatest coach. And as I started off with those two jokes, um, I wanted you to begin thinking about what does that look like for you? Who is the greatest coach or teacher that you've ever had? 
And who is the greatest coach or teacher that you've ever known? Which would be super simple for a lot of us because coaches and teachers, they have such a significant impact on our lives, don't they? Right? And if you ask me, you know, who is the greatest, most significant coaches that I've ever known, you know, not personally, but maybe even professionally, there are a few that come to mind. So I, I got a list that I created for you. Uh, coach John Wooden. For those of you who are not into sports, this is one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coaches of all time. 12 NCAA championships in men's basketball coaching for the UCLA Bruins. And not only that, but he won seven championships in a row. Absolutely astounding. It's unheard of, right? And the great thing about Coach Wooden is he was not only concerned about men winning on the field and on the court, but he was concerned about them being men of character and Christ-like men off the court. Amen? Great, great coach. Who's, who's second? Oh, yeah. Come on now. Phil Jackson. A record 10 NBA championships while he was coaching for the Chicago Bulls and the LA Lakers with the Zen Buddhism that he used, very, very unorthodox to get through to his players. And he had the uncanny ability to coach and harness the abilities of some of the greatest players in the history of the game, including Michael Jordan and the legendary late great Kobe Bryant. Okay, who we got next? Uh, what the heck is that? Yeah. Shannon, you've been messing with my slides again. It's Bears Packers week. I got to talk about this guy. Oh, my goodness. All right, y'all know who that is. Next. No, I'm joking. All right. Vince Lombardi. I mean, my goodness. Got to talk about Lombardi. What do we know about Lombardi? The greatest of the great. We know who he is, right? This dude won five NFL championships. Five. Before the NFL-AFL merger. And then once the NFL and AFL merged and we had the Super Bowl, he won the first two Super Bowls. Seven NFL championships. The dude had a 9-1 postseason record. 9-1. The only game he lost coaching was his first postseason game. The doggone trophy is named after him, right? I mean, great coach. You got it. Okay, I get it. Next, oh, the late, great Pat Summit. She is the greatest women's coach in women's NCAA basketball history. She's partly responsible for women's basketball. You see the WNBA is like blowing up right now. She's partly responsible for making women's basketball a mainstream sport. Right? I got I to read her accolades to you. They are phenomenal. She uh, has the record for most NCAA tournament wins, most Sweet 16s, most Final Fours, most Finals, and she won eight NCAA national championships. Just phenomenal, phenomenal coach. Last person I got up here is a person that you may not know being from this area. This is Coach Eddie Robinson. Coach Eddie Robinson coached for 57 years. 57 years at the historically black Grambling State University. 57 years of coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, he won an unprecedented 408 games. That is second all time in Division I men's football. And the reason why it's so spectacular for what Coach Eddie Robinson did is he did it at Grambling State University, a school that isn't this mainstream, big time, overly recessed university, right? He did it with very moderate facilities, very moderate resources, but everybody, isn't that what great coaches do? Great coaches, everybody, they have the ability to get people to do things that they normally wouldn't do. Take people places that they didn't have the capacity to go on their own. Everybody, I want to introduce you to a person, a coach, who I think is very much misunderstood in the church and in society as a whole. He is the person and the coach called the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we think here at Central Christian Church, as your leadership team, it is so important to help our people understand who the Holy Spirit is that we're going to spend an entire series talking about the Holy Spirit coming up really soon. So this message, everybody, is just a teaser for what you're going to get coming up over the next several weeks. So online, you don't want to miss that. All right. And so first, uh, we see the Holy Spirit, everybody, all throughout the Word of God. Now, the first time we're introduced to the Holy Spirit is in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, right at the beginning, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the seed of God was hovering over the waters, all right? Then, if you keep reading the Old Testament, King David, who we know was the greatest king uh, in Israel, we also know King David being famous for killing nine foot nine as Goliath. What he talks about about the spirit is he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. I don't know if you guys knew this, but did you know in the Old Testament alone, everybody, there are 93 references of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible references the Holy Spirit all over it, but he becomes way more prominent in the New Testament when Jesus, who was crucified, dead and buried, but then raised again by God on the third day and spent an additional 40 days wandering the earth and hanging out with not only the disciples, but he's, a bunch of other people saw him raised from the dead. He says his disciples in John chapter 14, he says, all right, I'm out. I'm going to leave y'all. You see it? See it? See it say right there? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. So Jesus is about to leave the disciples and the disciples are literally freaking out. All my parents in the room. Remember when your kids were real little? and you went to drop them off for the first time in a strange place like daycare or your neighbor's house or your friends or family house, and they hit you with the panic attack. <laughs> I remember they did that, right? It's exactly what was going on in Scripture. Now, you got to understand, these disciples, everybody, they had been with Jesus. They left everybody and everything to hang out with Jesus. They were with him for three years. I mean, every day. Somebody say every day. Okay, that was good up here, but in the balcony, I didn't hear you. Okay, like, you gotta pull it. You know what I'm saying? You gotta pull it. day. Okay, one, two, three, say it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm gonna convert y'all into Chicagoans yet. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. day. For three years, they were with Jesus. And think about everybody, what they witnessed in those three years, every single day with Jesus, the miracles. Right? The, 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 the healings, the demons being casted out. Human beings, not just dead, but if Dave was up here, he'd say, dead, dead, right? right? Being raised back to life again, and not to mention Jesus' own resurrection. All for him to say in this moment, you leaving us now? You about to break out now? Thomas freaked out in verse five. He was like, Jesus, where you going? You see it? He says, we don't know where you're going. And so Jesus consoles the disciples in chapter 14 and verse 16. Here's what he says. He says, I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another helper. I love how the Amplified Bible breaks this out. Look at this. Comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, 
stand by, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I won't leave you comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. I will come back to you, right? And so everybody, as we read this, and we're gonna jump into this in much more detail when we break out the series for you, so please make it uh, time in your schedule to be here for that series. Um, I wanna super quickly clarify for you what the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, is not. Online, what the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not, somebody say not. It is not a thing or an it. You see, you see? Yeah. It's not a thing, it's not an it. You understand? Yeah, the Holy Spirit is not this non-emotional object or creature that you can't relate to or I can't relate to as far as our feelings or our emotional connection as human beings, okay? The Holy Spirit is not, somebody say not. Not. He is not energy or electricity like Zeus, the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. It's It's not what the Holy Spirit is, okay? The Holy Spirit is not, somebody say not. It is not the force. 1030, I'm your father. No, no, it's not what the Holy Spirit is, okay? The Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, is a person. Somebody say person. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, he is a personal being, not some impersonal thing or object. In fact, when the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit, it refers to him as a personal pronoun, as a he, not an it. You see that? We just read it. Look at verse 17 again. I bet you you read the Bible too fast. You missed that, didn't you? Here it is. The world cannot receive and take to its heart because it, he's talking about the world now when it says it, does not see or know, but you know because who is he? You see that? Remains with you continually and will be with you. Is this making sense? In fact, we believe that the Bible refers to God in three persons. In three persons, God the Father, God the, God the, right? And it was, it's pretty cool to see that all happen in one time in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, we see the Trinity, or the three in one, the three persons all together in one space. Look at this in Matthew chapter 3. It says, after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, who is Jesus, right? And then a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. The father was in heaven. Jesus was in the water. The Holy Spirit had descended on him just like a dove. All three of them represented at one time. It was a beautiful picture. In fact, talking about baptism, we believe here at Central Christian Church that we need to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in obedience to what Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 28. Look at this. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So everybody, I hope this is making sense. I'm doing this quickly because I don't have a lot of time to deal with this, but I wanted to give you a feel for who the Holy Spirit was, all right? But my major assignment today is to talk to you about the role of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives today, all right? The Holy Spirit is like a great coach, right? And so what we need to understand, number one, is the Holy Spirit is our counselor. Somebody say counselor. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that word counselor in the Greek is the parakletus. It's the parakletus, which literally means one who is called alongside and has the idea of someone who encourages and exhorts. Isn't that kind of like what a great coach does? A great coach encourages you, and he also exhorts and challenges you to step up and be all that you were created to be, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And just like a great coach, as our counselor, the Holy Spirit does three things. The first thing he does is he shows us what's right. He encourages us to do what's right. But the great coaches do this. They also communicate in a way that makes us want to live right. Y'all know that? Yeah, he, he, he shows us what's right, encourages us to do what's right, but he communicates in a way that makes us want to live right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a quick story. My son is here. He was up on, a, um, uh, on the stage worshiping. Yeah, yeah. God bless you, my son. Love you so much. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's my boy. And so a lot of you guys know when I played in the NFL, I played for the Colts, I played for the Lions, and I played for the Bears, you understand? That's right, yeah. And I was also Chicago Bears team chaplain for five years. And so I still remember my very first NFL chapel. My very first NFL chapel was in Lake Forest at the Bears practice facility called Hallis Hall. We lived in... Um, um, Melrose Park at the time. It was about an hour drive away, and I was scared to death. I was super nervous. My very first chapel, you understand? It was an early morning chapel, Bethany, like 7.30 in the morning. So I was scared to death, Rob. I was going to oversleep and miss my first chapel, right? So I didn't get a lot of sleep that night, about three hours of sleep. And so uh, we got up early. My son, who was 10 years old at the time, he came with me, which I thought was great because I was like, you know, if I stunk and they hated it, at least there'd be one person in the audience that loved me. That's a true story, 1030. Yeah, yeah. And so I took him with me. We drove up, and I noticed when we jumped in the car that my gas tank was really close to being out of gas. I said, not a problem. I don't want to be late. We're going to be able to make it up there. I want to get up there on time, and I'll get gas on the way home. Not a problem. And so we get there. Lovey Smith is there, and Matt Forte, and Devin Hester, and the GM was there. And so chapel went great. They were slapping hands. I was feeling good. Uh, my 10-year-old was like, yeah, what's good, daddy? Right, right. So everything was great, right? And so we jump in the car. I'm feeling good, and I'm driving home on cloud nine, and I forgot that my gas tank was low on the way up. I said, not a problem. We'll just go ahead and jump in off the expressway, the next exit, we'll get gas and we'll keep moving. Well, all my Chicago people, you familiar with the city of Chicago, raise your hand. Okay, beautiful. You know if you're in the audience and if you don't know that in the city of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, we got two seasons. Everybody else has four seasons. We got two, winter and road construction season. Road construction season, y'all, was in full effect. And when I was on the highway, listen, all the exits for the next 10 miles were closed. Now, I don't know about y'all. Do y'all have cars that talk to you? Do you cars speak to you? My car was talking to me. It was like, hey, yo, you ain't got no gas. You ain't got no gas. Hurry up, pull over, fool. You ain't got no gas, right? And so I'm having this personal drama you feel me? I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. I just had this great, magnificent morning and I'm going to be stranded on the highway just so happens while the ABC Eyewitness News truck is passing by and they're going to report that to the Chicago News. Uh, newly acquired Ray, uh, chaplain Ray McElroy for the Chicago Bears was stranded on the highway with his helpless 10-year-old son. What an idiot. Right, right. I'm just like, oh my God, this is terrible, right? And so I'm having this, this, this panic attack 
And in the midst of me having my own personal drama, which was so loud, I hear this faint noise in the background. It sounds just like this. And I awakened from my drama to see my little 10-year-old. Remember those little, little, those little uh, DSs that the kids used to play with, Nintendo DSs? He's on having a time of his life playing this And everybody, I started to unload on this little 10-year-old guy. Like, what are you doing? How could you be calm at a time like this? We about to be stranded. This is bad, right? And everybody, the Holy Spirit arrested me, jumped all over me. And he was like, you big, I mean, Ray, Don't you understand? Your son is with his father. And so in his mind, whatever drama, whatever issue, whatever incident that happens, as long as he's with his father, his father is going to take care of it. His father is going to handle it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, he's 10 years old. What are you going to stress out about anyway? What can he do, right? Somebody need to grab that for yourself. <laughs> yeah, and everybody... But isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? He is our counselor. When we read his word, he not only helps us to understand his word, but he encourages us to, to, to do his word. And he shows us exactly how to live his word in a way that we just want to live it the right way. He is our counselor. Somebody say counselor. I love, I love what John chapter 16 says. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, what? Will guide you in all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's our counselor. But number two, everybody, he's our comforter. Somebody say comforter. Look at this. Look at this. Uh, John chapter uh, 14. Uh, I already read that. Uh, let me say this to you. Great coaches, everybody. This is crazy about great coaches. Great coaches, they know uh, when it's time for us to run hard for them and when it's time to rest in them. Yeah, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does, right? He, he knows when it's time for us to rest in him, when it's time to run hard for him. Now, everybody, um, oh, I love this. Look at verse 18. It says this, he says, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I won't leave you comfortless. I won't leave you bereaved. I won't leave you helpless. Now, I'm going to send you the comforter. He is the Holy Spirit. And because the comforter is here, number one, ladies and gentlemen, that means that we are never alone because he is with us. We're never alone because he's with us. That's important because everybody, uh, I started working here on staff two years and nine months ago. Two years and nine months ago. That's significant because um, three weeks earlier, was when my father passed away. And I was here three weeks after my dad passed away preaching about that experience. It was a very, very, very difficult time in my life and in my family. It's very, very hard on my, on my mom who's still with us today. Very hard on my sisters and my brothers. Super hard on my wife. Uh, my dad and her were really, really close. Really hard on my children, my father's grandchildren. And so I remember, this was, this was eight months ago, y'all. Eight months ago, my dad had at that time been dead for two years. I was driving up 
from my home in West Chicago for, uh, on a Sunday morning for work, super early in the morning. It's a 70-minute drive for me when I commute from home uh, to come up here every weekend and hang out with you guys. And so I'm driving up, and I had this thought. You know, you, when you're driving, it's nice and quiet, and you have these thoughts. It was a super funny thought, and I was like, you know what? That's so funny. I'm about to call my dad, and I'm going to tell him. Anybody ever been there? And it hit me all at one moment. My dad ain't here. He is dead and he is not coming back. I can go to him, but he can't come back to me. And that thing, Lisa, it started hitting me, Dawn. It started falling on me. And before I broke down, Nick, and just lost it on the side of the road, I heard this still sweet voice in my head. And it said to me, Ray, I'm your father now. <laughs> Listen. Now, I already knew that to be true intellectually, right? How many times have we heard that in church? Oh, yeah, God will be a father to the fatherless. He'll be a mother to the motherless. We've heard that, right? But everybody in that moment, to hear the Holy Spirit communicate that to me directly, and to be able to embrace that truth literally for me in my situation, now I still shed tears. But, but in that moment, there wasn't tears of grief and there wasn't tears of sorrow. He replaced them with tears of joy and tears of peace because I recognized in that moment, even though I felt lonely, the truth was I wasn't alone because the comforter was with me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and maybe... Online and in the building, I got, I got some people here today who you know what it's like to feel lonely, abandoned, betrayed, brokenhearted. I just need you to recognize that that may be how you feel, but what's real is that the comforter sees you, the comforter loves you, the comforter will provide for you exactly what you need, exactly how you need it, because he's just that kind of God. Yeah, yeah. he's the comforter. And the comforter, ladies and gentlemen, he wants us to know that we're never alone because he's with us. But number two, everybody, the comforter wants us to know that he comforts us so that we can comfort others. Yeah, he comforts us so that we can comfort others. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us and all of our troubles so that we can comfort. Are you seeing this? Yeah, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given to us. And if I can say it like this, see, it's one thing to be able to tell somebody's going to be all right when they're hurting because of what you heard. It's another thing entirely, everybody, to be able to reassure somebody is going to be all right because of what you know. Mm -hmm. See, when we've been through some things and we've experienced the love and the peace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it puts you in position to effectively communicate and comfort other people going through the same or similar struggles that you've been through. And everybody, it's amazing how much more I'm able to comfort and counsel those people who have lost loved ones because of the experience that I had. Because now... I can speak exactly to where they are, but most importantly, I can speak to exactly how God walked with me through my own pain and how he'll do exactly the same thing for them. Is this making sense? It's almost as if the Holy Spirit was like, okay, Ray, you've had your time to rest and recover. Now it's time for you to get back in the game for me. And just like a great head coach, 
right? The Holy Spirit, uh, he knows when it's time to rest in him and when we need to run hard for him, amen? The Holy Spirit, he's our comforter. He's our counselor. Last point, he is our chaperone or our guide. He's our chaperone or our guide, all right? I love this. Great coaches, everybody, they not only show us what the right thing to do is, but they also show us how to get there, you know? I kind of think my wife thinks she's the Holy Spirit sometimes. Yeah, for all my married people in the room. You ever been in a car with your wife and you driving and she in a passenger seat and you make a turn and she say to you, this just happened last Monday. Why are you going that way? What difference does it make? The husbands are just praising Jesus right now, right? What difference does it make? What direction we go? We're going to the same place, right? We're going to get there together, right? We're going to be there on time, right? Well, shut it. I didn't say all that. 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 I want to stay married. I want to stay married. Yeah. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, um, y'all so funny. The world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, who? The Holy, the Holy Spirit remains with you continually and will be in you. And everybody, this is an immensely important point because please understand everybody, the world can't teach you what it does not know. Y'all missed it over here. I'm gonna try it on this side. I said the world can't teach you what it does not know. All right? Why do I say that? See, I say that because I know there are a lot of people sitting in our auditorium and watching online today. You're angry and you're bitter. And you're angry and you're bitter because of what you didn't get, the love that you didn't experience, that you felt like you should have, the care and the support that you felt like was owed to you when you were growing up that you did not get, or, or maybe from a prior broken relationship. But hear me clearly. You're angry with people and you're bitter with people that did not see and did not know the Holy Spirit. And when you don't have the benefit of being counseled and comforted and chaperoned by the Holy Spirit yourself, how can you effectively counsel, comfort, and chaperone somebody else? If all you know is to do things the world's way, then you're only equipped to give what you yourself have been provided. Is this making sense to somebody? I wanted to hammer that home today because a lot of us, I know, we got angry and bitter feelings that are wrapped up inside of us and that stuff is misplaced. If we're going to be ticked off at somebody, we need not to be ticked off at the people, but the spirit behind the people that was driving the action that we received in the first place. Is this making sense? Yeah. And it makes that much more sense to me, minister. Now, when I got this, it made more sense to me when Jesus, who was betrayed on the night, when he was beaten and bruised beyond recognition, when they pinned him to the cross, hands and feet nailed, how he had the capacity to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. How could they? They didn't have the benefit of having the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the comfort and the counsel and the chaperoning of the Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them and help them see. How could they know? Is this making sense? Yes. Right? 
And so I wonder, everybody, how much pain and anxiety do you carry around unnecessarily? Because maybe you had a parent or a friend or a spouse that hurt you, mistreated you, disappointed you. And they did so, why? Because they were not properly equipped to handle you properly because they themselves had not been guided and handed properly. And here's what I discovered, everybody. Sometimes the best coaching sessions happen when we've done a bunch of things wrong and the wrong way or when we suffered the consequences of those losses, right, by doing things the world's way just so that the Holy Spirit can guide us in the right way. And everybody, even though a lot of us were born in poor, unhealthy, dysfunctional backgrounds, like, like me and my wife, you know, we got some dysfunction in our background. Maybe one or two of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Even though that's all we've known, and even though that's all we've seen growing up, isn't it interesting that God still gave us glimpses of the right stuff? Kind of like my wife in the passenger seat. Why are you going to do it that way? Right? Right? We got those glimpses, Right? Well, the Holy Spirit would either say through a person or in the, in the stillness of our hearts, you know, you don't got to lie. You ain't got to steal. You don't got to mistreat people just because you were lied to, stolen from, or mistreated. You, you know there is a different way you can operate. Y'all remember those glimpses we would get? Right? Everybody, that's who the Holy Spirit is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. He is our chaperone. And if we allow him to step in and be who he wants us to be, he will literally jump in and be like, God, you know what? I don't even want the wheel. Jesus, you take the wheel and you drive this car. You lead, you guide, you direct, and you take me to where I was always supposed to be in the first place. Amen, somebody? And so everybody, as I get ready to leave you, I really hope that this was helpful as far as understanding the role of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to dive a whole lot deeper. This is, can't even touch, scratch the surface of this in one message. But here's something that I want you to do for this week. This week, we believe, everybody, uh, that when we pray, we pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. But we want you to intentionally include activating the Holy Spirit. He wants to be here for you. And he wants to be active in your life. So in your prayer time, I want you to also include this. Holy Spirit, be my counselor, because some of us need to be counseled. Holy Spirit, be my comforter, because if we be honest, a lot of us need to be comforted. Holy Spirit, be my chaperone and my guide. And my prayer and my hope, ladies and gentlemen, is that as we intentionally pray and ask the Holy Spirit to become active in our lives, we will begin to see him at work in our life in ways that we didn't even know or think possible. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.